0: It is hour two of the game, the game after work. And yes, I did hear you guys talking about the game after dark. <laughs> Save it for the winner, guy. Mitch it Fortner. just fit with the music at the it time. Did, it did, did. It. It
1: yeah, did. it just was.
0: <laughs> when I heard that coming back, I was just west of Topeka. It was very fuzzy. Right on. But I was curious to know what interview you decided to play right out the gate for the short second hour. So
2: Nice. What did we, Nacon Tomlin, right?
0: Who? No, it was uh, Marquise Noel. Marquise? Marquise, yep. And then same. he went to Scott Drew and, yep. and Bo, Bill Self. Bill Self. We're out, baby. Was the first one you played Drum Tang? Yes. Right out of the gate. Got to give the people what they
2: want, Open man. Open the show. Yeah, because people are like, oh, Mitch isn't there. This one's going to stink. And then we come through with Drum Tang and they go, oh, okay. And then we stink after that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> Shout out to the mob. Lynch Mob! All right. Uh, coming up in the uh, well, in the next segment, we'll get into uh, a little bit more on TCU. You're going to hear from Joe Klanneman talking about the TCU offense. Plus, Travion was mentioning we might get a little bit of wind tomorrow and even this weekend. Fort Worth is getting some wind on Saturday. Wind will be a factor. Um, when uh, the Wildcats visit on Saturday. 7 o'clock for that kickoff. Power K game day will start at 3 in the afternoon with Cole Manbeck, Derek Young, and myself. That's when we'll give our official predictions on the game and uh, really break that matchup down. Are we ready to go there, Travion? We're now joined by another very special guest. It is Thursday. He joins us at 510 during the State football season. That is the pride of Abilene, Kansas. Curry Sexton, former K-State wide receiver. Also, of course, with the Wildcats-Den NIL collected. That is... Curry Sexton, Curry. How did you uh, enjoy the bye week? I kind of, I kind of took it in as like a little vacation because of a lot of stressful K State football. But pulling out the victories, did you have a good weekend? And
3: I, I agree. I think the the bye, bye week was well positioned this year. You know, smack dab in the middle of the season, and and uh, as it turns out, it was it was probably one of the best weekends of college football, and and. and quite some time and so to, to not have to stress about the cats and be able to freely watch some of those big games was just was this great. Do
0: you have two TVs going or did you wait until after Oklahoma State TCU wrap to go flip over to uh Alabama, Tennessee?
3: Oh, I was no I was actually uh I was Alabama, Tennessee on the TV and then Oklahoma Oklahoma State TCU on the iPad. So I was I was watching them both.
0: How many replays did it take for you to be convinced that the ball, when it was kicked by Tennessee's kicker to win the game, wasn't tipped by Alabama, it took me a couple of times.
3: What is that? The is that the consensus that it wasn't tipped? I I was. It's mine. Live, I was, and maybe when I first saw the replays live, I was like, "Oh wow, that was just a terrible kick. It absolutely wasn't wasn't tipped." But then, and maybe these Twitter videos have been doctored, but there are a lot of videos on Twitter, slow mo, zoomed in. That show that defensive lineman who hopped uh, you know who hopped over the this, uh, gap between the center and the guard getting a tiny hand on it and just mm. altering the flight of the football in the absolute slightest. And so you know, Twitter is Twitter a weird world and it's full of a lot of uh, misinformation. But but uh, those videos kind of changed my mind a little bit.
0: Uh, you know what? I think that's some Alabama fake news. Some uh, <laughs> Crimson Tide fan, maybe the one that wanted to uh, poison Tumor's trees. You know, <laughs> zoomed in and maybe did some photoshopping to make it look like, "Hey, at least our guy got a touch on it." Man, they've been in such denial after that one. Uh, which, by the way, the shots CBS was getting after that kick, the fireworks going, uh, just incredible oh, footage sure. uh, by CBS. That was a that was a really good broadcast. Um, when when K State beat Texas in 2012 to win the Big Twelve. How did what did you do when the fans started rushing the field? Because I think that was the only time I can recall when you were a, a player. That's the only time the fans rushed the field uh, after a win. Did you just like go right in the middle of the field start celebrating, or what'd you do?
3: You know that's a good question. I don't really remember, um, but I think you know I was like I was like a I was a couple weeks removed from a from a collarbone surgery, and and with was still either in a splint or should have been in a splint but didn't wear it during the game and so I don't think I got too involved with the crowd because I because I was trying to get ready for the bull game and didn't want to have a setback. So I uh I think I kind of stayed out on the fringes of the of the field that week or that that celebration and just let you know let the guys who actually played in the game have some fun.
0: Did you ever rush the field as a fan?
3: Yeah, I rushed the field in 2006 when we beat Texas. Okay. Um, and shoot, I, I I feel like I was at one of the field rushes when I was a kid, but I, but I would have been I would have been fairly young. I I don't remember if I was there when we beat Nebraska in '98 or not. I don't believe I was at that game, but there was one other one. But I I, I can't. Oh, I think I think I'm picking up a basketball game. I have rushed yeah. the court more than I rushed the field. A couple of big K one or two KU games, and then and then I believe Texas back. I can't remember what year that was. I think they were ranked number one or something, and we beat them. Um, so a couple
0: basketball court rushes. We're talking to Curry Sexton, former K State wide receiver. So now with this matchup against TCU, um, you know the forecast might be in in play here, uh, not because of rain or anything, but it's because of the wind. Expecting a strong south wind in Fort Worth at about the occasional gusts of like 35 miles per hour. And uh, you know that could potentially affect the passing game. I I would think. Um, And these are, of course, two teams that love to run the football, have been successful at running the football. But when you're expecting, especially on a field that's north and south, and half of your time on the field is an offense having the wind in your face, how how does that affect the um, you know maybe the game plan going in when it comes to throwing?
3: Yeah, it it affects everything. Um, I can't remember which. I think it was a two lane game this year, is when we had, you know, when when there was significant wins at, at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, and and it it changes the way you approach everything from the from the coin flip. Um, and so what you will see is is, is a lot a lot of times, you, you know, you may see you may see K State. Uh, think of the typical thought process when you're when when you're trying to account for the win but a lot of times coaches will, will do it in a way where they are, they are strategically choosing when they are going with the wind. And so for instance, sometimes a coach may, you know, they may want to have the wind for the fourth quarter, understanding that it's going to be a close game and and you're not going to be able to throw the ball into the wind as well. And so you try to get it, you know, you structure the, the coin flip and everything that results from that in a way that, that you, you dictate, you know, when you have the wind and then, and then, Everything is affected by the wind, including most importantly, just field position. Um, you know, if you if you can if you can utilize the wind to your benefit and get flip the field position battle, um, then obviously that's huge and that sets you up for a lot of different things like short fields and, and, and shorter field goals. Um, and on the flip side, if, if if you're if you're you know if you're on the other side of it, then you're then you're really in a tough spot. Um, getting pinned deep and not being able to really move the ball effectively through the air. So it is a huge factor, um, and and it will be whoever handles the wind component best will win, I mean, will likely win on Saturday.
0: Did Coach Snyder want the wind in the fourth? I I,
3: I, I can't remember specifically how we handled it, but he wanted the wind at a specific time, and I believe it was the fourth quarter.
0: Okay, I mean that makes that would makes total sense to me. Uh, speaking with Curry Sexton here on uh, on the game, so you, you played in a pretty big one in 2014 down in Fort Worth, and I, I feel like that's probably the last yep. time these two teams played in a, in a truly like great environment uh, because you know it's, it is two top 25 teams, and that was back then a pretty pivotal game when it came to the. Uh, Just the Big Twelve standings and Big Twelve championship implications. Of course, you know TCU and Baylor were the top dogs that year, with K State in third place. But what do you recall about the atmosphere in uh, at Amon G. Carter Stadium back in 2014 when that TCU team was so good?
3: Yeah, and and hold on, let me go back to the last question. So what? So what you will see a coach do if they want the ball in the fourth quarter is they will defer. They will defer the. They will defer the. If they win the toss, they will defer and then obviously TCU will take the ball. K-State will then choose which way they want to they want to kick going in the first quarter. So in the first quarter if they want to if they want to if they want to win in the second and fourth quarters, then they will elect to kick into the wind at the start of the game. And and that way as it plays out, they will they will have the wind in the second and fourth quarters. So that's that's sort of how that would be approached now obviously if they want it to start the game then they you know then they elect to kick with the wind. But anyways, TCU um that it's just an okay atmosphere. Um, you know, we went down there twice, and one year we were, uh, you know, I think we were number two in the nation, but that night Bama got beat, so so we were effectively the number one team in the country. And, and they had a decent team in 2012, and and yet the, the, the atmosphere was just, just pretty average, I would say, for a big-time college, you know, for a big-time college matchup. And the same could be said for 2014. Even you know, even then they were they were a really really good football team. Um, it wasn't. It just wasn't a place where you re- remember a whole lot about the atmosphere, other than the what is it, the train noise that they play. That's really obnoxious. Yes,
0: it, it's. I've I've heard it in person at soccer matches. It, it's obnoxious. It's terrible.
3: Yeah. So that's really the only lasting. I mean, you know, a lot of guys would tell you that they that they have a really talented dance team, um, but other than that i mean it's just it's it's uh it's their student section is always is always very small and obviously they're right behind the opposing bench but but they don't they don't bring any sort of intimidation factor to the game and and i just it's it's not one of the be- it's not one of the better atmospheres in the big 12 um and maybe this weekend will be different with a top 10 you know with a top 10 TCU game and a top 20 matchup but i it was just one place where you walk in and you think wow this is a pretty cool stadium and then the atmosphere sort of lets you lets
0: you down. Yeah, I don't think TCU's ever had the reputation of having the loudest environment. And uh, I don't know, I've never been there for a football game. They're doing the blackout thing, and I'm sure it's going to be sold out. But I'm hoping K-State fans, because beginning of the week, there were a ton of tickets on sale in the upper decks, and especially in the corners. I mean, three or four full sections. Hoping some K-State fans uh, got those and uh, making the trip down to Fort Worth for this very pivotal game in, in Big 12 play. So to wrap up here, Curry, I'd love to hear your Just the thoughts on the way you think this game will go. I'm sure you've watched a decent amount of TCU football lately because they've played in a couple of really big contests the last uh, last couple of weeks. So, what do you think about this matchup?
3: Yeah, it's it's obviously going to be a really tough football game. I I think you know so much of what happens in a football game, obviously, is dictated by the quarterback position. And and Max Duggan in, in, in ways reminds me of Colin Klein back in 2000, you know, back in 2011 and 2012. And obviously, they're not you know, they're, they're, they're much different from, you know, from size perspective, but you talk about a guy who's been through the program. He's been through a lot of ups and downs, has been one of the toughest football players in the in the country over the last four seasons. Um, and, and is really, you know, really having success that he, he, he had not yet, he had not yet achieved in his first three years. Um, and he's just a guy that I think really, really elevates that football team just with his, just with his toughness and his mentality, um and now obviously they have some really talented players around them with, you know Miller at running back and then Johnston at a wide receiver that certainly doesn't help but I think this is going to be a this is going to be a really physical football game I think TCU is always a really physical football team um, I think it's it's probably going to be lower scoring than one would expect I think you know K State's defense is obviously strong and I think TCU um, you know has some good pieces on defense and 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 I think the win will also will also limit the scoring chances but i think this is going to be a hard-fought game but ultimately i think i think the cats get it done i think you know since max duggan has been their guy we've we've had their number i think we've beat him, you know the last three years and so i think the cats win by about six points and and um i wish it would be a lot more than that but but you know they have a way of just keeping things close and making us all sweat but i think i think we i think we come home have a happy team on saturday
0: Yep, I agree, and get ready for another stressful one. And, and, and if you truly believe the Cats have what it takes, and I certainly do, that they can make Arlington. Get ready for the next six games of, uh, I'm sure, some stressful football to watch with uh, with K-State halfway through the season. Curry, really appreciate your time. We'll talk next week after a victory.
3: All right. Thanks, Mitch. See you guys.
0: See ya. That's Curry Sexton former K-State wide receiver, and of course now with the Wildcats-Den-NIL collective. He helped start the whole thing. So, uh Really appreciate his time. And uh, when we come back, we're going to hear from Joe Clannerman, the defensive coordinator on case of K-State, to talk about the defense or the offense, rather, of TCU. Get some health updates and uh, updates on some players as well. Remember, Felix Andy D.K. Uzama had his six sacks. It was six sacks last year against TCU. Plus, uh, you know, just our thoughts as well on the game Saturday. So to come, we're going to wrap up the show with the number one song of the day and ask us anything. As we continue, let's transition to some thoughts about TCU and K-State, number 17 cats at number 8 TCU. It'll be the first time K-State plays a true top 25 match since the Alamo Bowl in 2014. Shout out to D. Scott Fritschen, come up with that nugget earlier this week. Uh, Before we get to our thoughts, though, let's hear from the defensive coordinator from K-State. Joe Klaneman talking about, of course, the health of some players, just overall thoughts about Josh uh, Josh Hayes, Felix Andy D.K. Uzama, and of course about this balanced offense and probably the best offense as of right now in the Big 12 when it comes to the TCU Horn Frogs. Is it
1: about the scoring
2: or the explosive plays? Because they score a lot of points and run the ninth. Yeah,
4: the two go hand in hand. You know, it's it, there's we're looking uh, there's not a ton of red zone stuff, you know, because they're scoring from so far away. They still don't have a great grasp of who they are identity-wise in the red zone because that just hasn't been uh, necessary for them, which I think is a good problem to have if you're an offensive coordinator. What has Duggan done differently this year than in three times? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think he's just playing with a lot of confidence. I think he's uh, there's not a lot of slowdown in the things that he's doing. I think he's making decisions and going with them and and uh, and he's healthy you know i think that's a thing that's uh, kind of been his uh, downfall over the years too is he he runs the ball so much and, and he runs so hard he takes he takes pounding and uh, there's been years in the past where he hadn't been the same at the end of the year as he is in the beginning sometimes and and uh right now he's he's healthy and he's he's playing fast
2: TCU was Felix's the game last year, is, is he on
0: the upward swing from what he was dealing with a couple weeks ago?
4: Yeah, that's been a, a kind of work in progress all year, but he's been he's been practicing uh, great, and, and uh, yeah, I think he's about as healthy as he's been uh, for a while. Speaking of health, Khalid Duke, Coach comments said he was going to practice on Tuesday. Kind of where is he at? Yeah, he's on track, too. He's been uh, going through the week, getting more and more reps each day. Kind of like
3: Josh Hayes, um, seemed like he had a head start coming in because he knew you guys at North Dakota State, but looking back, just how, how did he eat the ground?
4: Uh, he, he, Yes and no. I mean, he knew what to expect from me. He knows what to expect from Coach Kleiman. Uh, totally different system. A lot of different terminology. Uh, we tried to kind of marry the two, so there's some things that he understands. Uh, totally different position. I mean, he was a corner. That's a whole other way of seeing the game. You know, a player is not a player is not a player. I mean, he's seen it from a corner's eyes and seen it from a safety's eyes. There are way different ends of the spectrum, and so kudos to him for all the things that he's done just uh, adjusting because it's been extraordinarily seamless. I mean, he's just an incredible student of the game. He's up here with working all the time on on his stuff and put him in any situation. He just kind of takes it and smiles. You know, you want to go play man coverage against their best guy, no problem. You want me to be in the box in the run fit, no problem. You want to use me as a blitzer, no problem. We're so lucky to have him. What
0: did you mention, Quentin
2: Johnson, a little bit ago? But is he a bigger problem before the catch or after
4: the catch? <laughs> it depends on where he's catching it. Yeah, he, Obviously, uh, the vertical stuff is is scary because of his length, and I think he, he's he got good speed, and he does a great job of creating separation on corners or whomever and, uh, and going up and getting it. But uh, yeah, likewise. After the catch, on some of the even some of the jet sweep things that he does, he's not an easy guy to bring down. So yeah, he, he's you're gonna have to have bodies around him uh, quite a bit.
2: Is there, but Is there a slot as dangerous as there big – being?
4: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's uh, they they and, and it's, uh, there's multiple receiver wise. This might be the best core potential in the Big Twelve. I, don't, I haven't seen everybody yet, but they're they're very very good. Because of those receivers, does it place an even more emphasis on guys like? One more Daniels, V.J. Payne, Jacob Parrish this week to kind of step up and have a bigger game. Yeah, and, and that, you know, not a lot of uh, what we call 10 personnel uh, throughout the league, You know, four receivers in that game at the same time. I think most of the teams in the league, uh, generally we will have a tight end out there. They might be in the same formations, but there'll be a tight end body out there somewhere. These guys will do some stuff with four receivers, which a lot of teams won't do. So probably forces us at times to, to match personnel a little bit also. Uh, you, you know, you're not going to uh, be comfortable sticking a linebacker out there or a, or a safety even. Uh, you might have to get some more of those type of bodies out there sometimes. It's
2: supposed to be 15 to 20 mile per hour winds. Maybe really guessing got some different 30s. How much does that affect an opposing passing game, and does that then impact how you want to defend
4: that? It does, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. It, you know, sometimes you, you get those high wind conditions, and uh, you don't necessarily feel it on the field. You know, I, I, um, sometimes I'm out there at, at the Bill, and I'm looking at those flags over there, and they're going that way, and these flags over here are going that way, and I couldn't tell you. You know, they're telling me the wind's going uh, to the left, and my shirt's going to the right. And um, I, I, I don't know. I think that's just a feel thing for the field. Uh, certainly it's something that has to go into a play caller's mind, I would think, uh, both offensively and defensively. I
0: mean, would you look at that maybe
2: as more zone
4: so the guys can keep an eye? It's, uh, possibly. In in today's uh, day and age, the pass game isn't all down the field passes. You know, sometimes some of these uh, passes are, are short and easily completable if you're in a hurricane and uh so i don't uh it, it depends on kind of how the flow of the game is going uh that's probably a bigger factor than the weather felix was named a mid-season all-american by like four different publications how impressive is it that he has been able to produce the way he has this year considering the secret is obviously
1: out on him and he hasn't been 100 percent
4: healthy yeah that's a, a, a testament to him just in his relentlessness and and how he plays the game and how he approaches the game and you know he was really really hurting uh uh Especially toward the end of the game at Iowa State, and he still had some plays where he looked really explosive. And you know, he'd come to the sideline he could barely walk, and then he'd go back out there and just uh, play his tail off. And you know, I'm I'm really proud of him, and he deserves everything he gets. That's the Clandy
0: man, Joe Clandyman, defensive coordinator of the Cats. That was earlier today. Veneer talking about, of course, TCU's defense or TCU's offense rather. Uh, I, there's not a whole lot I want to say about K State's offense against the TCU defense TCU's defense is, to me isn't certainly is not as good as Iowa State Iowa State I think is going to be the best defense K-State will face this season uh, until they make the college football playoff and then they'll deal with Georgia or <laughs> uh-huh. Ohio State um, as that you know that uh, that, T- uh, that uh, Tulane loss is looking better and better each day now in the top 25 best shout best out to is. them they're good shout out to New Orleans Louisiana yeah yeah um, the the bigger story is K State's defense against the TCU offense, and just how much how much they're they're so improved from last year. And and Max Duggan wasn't supposed to be the starting quarterback; it was supposed to be Chandler Morris who came into the game for Max Duggan against K State last year. Their running back is somebody who I've been pretty impressed with with Kendry Miller. Also going back to last year's game against K State, where the Cats won by three scores and won pretty handily, of course. So, Zach Evans was the starter last year, and he was the better running back. It was kind of a one two punch, but Zach Evans did not play in that game. He was injured, and it was the Kendry Miller show. And we we're thinking, okay, Zach Miller's out. That's huge for that K State defense because now they're down to basically Max Duggan. And a guy that's still trying to prove himself in Kendry Miller of running the football. Kendry didn't score, but he still ran for over 100 yards. He had a good day against an offen- with an offensive line that wasn't as good as they are this year. For instance, even though he was in, he's now on an NFL roster, that left tackle last year for TCU. It's Abino Ize or something like that. I, I'm butchering it maybe, but it's something in that neighborhood. He was destroyed by Felix Inu D.K. Uzama last year. He gave up five of the six sacks. Ooh. Of course, you know it was dwindled down to four by technicality, pretty much. Ooh. But five of the six sacks that we have credited in the stadium during the game, he gave up. And now he was featured just months ago on NFL Hard Knocks on HBO with a really awesome story of his and a success story. But now he is on an NFL roster with the Detroit Lions. As a group, though... TCU's offensive line is improved. And I think that's definitely fair to say. And Kendre Miller's averaging 6.4 yards per carry, and he has nearly 600 yards he has scored eight times. He, he's a strong running back. Max Duggan is running the ball well at 6.1 yards a carry. But Duggan just throwing the football has improved. He looks much better, and he's not as mistake-prone. He has thrown for 16 touchdowns and just one interception. So K-State defense to slow the tempo down. First of all, you got to make plays on first down. That that's key. Make a first down play. Don't be given up 6 or 7 or 8 yards on the first carry and then odds are against you on second and third down to try to get off the field. I think we got a little bit of that against Iowa State and that's how the Cyclones kept bending the K-State defense. They didn't ultimately break. I will say that just give it up the three field goals but they put together some drives, and they also benefited off field position a lot, and K-State had to go long, long fields to try to score some points. And they ended up only scoring 10 when points were a premium. But also, Max Duggan has wide receivers that are also improved, and they're three guys who stand at, at top of that leaderboard who, uh, who have been at TCU for a little while. It's not like these are all just transfers. I mean, Quentin Johnson has been there for a few years. And he has excelled this year. He's at 500 yards. And they might, you could argue, TCU might have the best, if not one of two or three best duos in the Big 12 when it comes to wide receivers. With Darius Davis, who I think is really good. And also Tay Barber, who uh, doesn't catch the ball as much. As Quentin Johnston and Darius Davis, but he still has put up some some big plays, and also that's the other factor. Big play TCU this year. They average seven point seven yards a play. That is second in the nation Ooh. on how good they can move the football.
1: I don't think it can be understated how much of an impact this change in coaching staff has played with this TCU program. Sonny Dykes coming in from SMU, known for offense ingenuity a little bit with with what he was doing at smu and it has helped immensely with what tcu was able to accomplish transfer portal helped as well but development of some of what they already had in place you're right about max dugan looking different this year mm-hmm. that alone uh, is evidence of what sonny dykes and his staff have been able to accomplish with this program early
0: and they also have another running back by Amari DiMercato, who averages about seven yards a carry or seven carries a game, but he's also averaging over six yards a carry. They got three guys that are very good at running the football, mm-hmm. and they could get it on either play. But the thing is, like, if you look at the numbers, I, I to me, TCU is the most balanced offense. They average 530 yards per game, you know. Two thirty of that is coming on the ground and and throwing the football. It's about three hundo. So of course yardage is a little bit more, but that proves to me that they are. I mean, they're they're really good in, in both areas of the field. And when you allow TCU's defense to make a play, that that hands the keys to that offense. And it's like once they get going, and we saw it in the second half. I Maybe mean, we saw it in the second half against Kansas, and we saw it in the second half against. Oklahoma State, where just kind of especially against Kansas, didn't have as much success. They did later in the second quarter against Oklahoma State, but then they got things going. And then they turn into just unstoppable, and they do whatever they want. That's what has to... K-State has to kill momentum whenever it starts to get going. Interceptions, I think, will be key. Mm -hmm. Max Duggan can throw them. He can make some mistakes, but he's been uh, dang near flawless so far. So He's been... Way, way – he playing above his head. Like
2: you said, Troy, the, the coaching staff change, like, if there's anybody that benefited the most from that, it was him, for sure. Because he wasn't a guy you were like, oh, God, Max Duncan's coming to town. But now he's on fire. But if there's ever um, a defense that's going to do some damage, it's this opportunistic K-State defense, ball hawking in the backfield, defensive backfield. Getting pressure on him, I can't wait.
1: You brought up a great point, Mitch, in that this is a better TCU offensive line than it was a season ago. This game's going to be one in the trenches, I feel, because what heat is K-State able to get up front on that offensive line, and and are they able to get Dugan off his spot throughout the course of this game? Now, Last year, yes, they were able to do that. This year, with that improved offensive line, how does that change the face of it? But
0: well, it makes me also wonder, like it, it, the win being a factor. Yes. If they were to balance this offense, what, where where does the scale start to tip? Are they going to go more because I mean they're, they're a Big Twelve best six point three yards per carry as an offense that runs the football, and they could they could if have success, they could rely heavily on the run. Which um, to me, there's really not a bad rushing defense in the Big Twelve other than Oklahoma, Texas Tech teeters, really everybody else isn't too bad. Not too bad at all, but Oklahoma gives up five yards a carry. TCU's defense gives up 3.7. I still think – I'm not really that worried about TCU's defense. They're, they're very good at linebacker, but they're now thin because they're two key backups at linebacker who they would rotate in. It's a 3-3-5, but they had two key guys that would rotate in. They're now out. They're, they're injured. They're out. They're done for the year. And so there are three starters at linebacker for uh, for TCU. You have D. Winters, who's the strong side. The middle linebacker is Jamoy Hodge, and then Johnny Hodges, the the weak side linebacker. You know the Hodge and Hodges. You know one of them with the targeting against Dylan Gabriel of Oklahoma. The other one rolls up the shoulder of Jalen Daniels, and who knows when he's coming back. Ooh. They're good at linebacker, but thin. Mm-hmm. and if you know if something happens to one of them, then it really changes things up. They're thin. There's very little experience behind those three guys, but I also don't think TCU secondary is talented. I just don't. It sucks. I think it really sucks that it's going to be super windy because I think Adrian can throw the football. Yes. I, I think am. he should be able to throw the football, but also get Deuce Vaughn going, and I want the wrinkle with DJ Ginn. I think this is a perfect time. If it's going to be windy, you might have to mix it up in the run game. And DJ is running it well. Limited experience, and he's still growing. He's still learning. He's still, I mean, he's still learning the playbook. He doesn't have that down completely yet. So, I, I don't know how comfortable the coaching staff is to throw a whole lot at him that's new. But you know, a couple of more carries I think would at least help a little bit. You know, take a little bit off the load. You can't keep Deuce Vaughn just off the field. Uh, he's you know he's the best player. He he is just so good. When the offensive line, you know, is is having a a good day blocking and Deuce knows how to tear it up and make some cuts. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors, but I'm not worried about too much about K-State scoring some points and moving the football.
2: Now, for DJ, lots of 22s and 23s. We're going right up the gut, boys. Let's go. Let's go. DJ, there. Left or right. 22, 23. That's it. Don't give him anything. If he don't have the playbook down, that's fine. Not everybody does. Just get him in the ball game because he's a game changer, really. And I think he's a guy that it, the more he plays, the more he's gonna get, he's gonna feel himself and understand. I can play out here. I can do this. He
0: was pretty big in putting that game away in Ames. Oh yeah,
2: and the, and big is the, the the key. That guy is a loon. Yeah,
0: six one. Yes, big boy. Big boy. Kind of Daniel Thomas type of Absolutely. back in my opinion. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll finish it up. Number one song of the day. Ask us anything. Is after this. 1979. Too much heaven by the Bee Gees. Two weeks. Wanted to get that in early because just listen to these lyrics. Too much heaven, no, no. It's much harder to come up. Isn't that just electrifying? Yeah,
2: yeah that, that's how you end up with two kids right there. That, that's how you end up that, that,
1: That's mm-hmm. that followed by some merry. Why? That's
2: right. You put this on, and there ain't no doubt what your uh what your, where your minds at. Yeah,
0: that's how you got Sarah, a little falsetto.
4: <laughs>
2: yeah, I busted Wasn't that terrible. out. terrible. I did that. I actually sang this song.
3: <laughs>
1: no.
0: I wish you did. I, know. I wish you did.
1: Hey, 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 grab me that shovel. Ha ha ha!
0: Uh, They started in 58. The Bee Gees were uh, around for a while there. Brothers Barry, Robin, and Maurice from Douglas Isle of Man is where they're from. Uh, Unfortunately, Maurice, he had a sudden death in January of 2003 at the age of 53. Barry and Robin, they decided to retire, but they did make a short comeback. And then, unfortunately, Robin passed away in 2012. So Barry, who is basically the lead singer... Um, is still around. He last toured in 2019. BG's have sold a ton of uh, 120 million albums. I mean, they killed it. Rock and roll Hall of Fame in '97, 22 studio albums, 30 top 40 hits. It's the seventh of nine number ones for the legendary BG's. And I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. I love the BG's. I think they're great. I didn't use to back in the day. They grew on me. And they grew on me quickly. As I started just to get into the discography, I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm not a big disco guy. Sure. But their music slaps. Right. It does. It, does. it really is. Yeah. They rock. I I could dance to some Bee Gees. It, it's one of those, like, first blush, people go,
2: oh, my God, listen to the Bee Gees? But then you start listening to it and go, man, this ain't that bad,
0: man. If Dave Grohl isn't too cool to like the Bee Gees, no nobody doubt. is too cool to like the Bee Gees. No doubt. Uh, Their nine number one hits, uh, Bee Gees' third most successful band in Billboard chart history with those nine number ones, behind the Beatles and Supremes. So in this song, the Bee Gees, they find a new way to express their abiding love. Telling the lady that nobody gets too much heaven, so they should be together always. Ooh. Now, the Bee Gees really ruled there in the late 70s. Or, because you know they had three number one hits in 78 alone. Mm-hmm. Plus three more that they wrote for other artists. And how about this? So when this song was written... It was written on the same day as tra- Tragedy and Shadow Dancing. They wrote three number one songs in one day. Wow. Now, because of just that massive success in 78, people just kind of felt like, you know, they're having the Bee Gees shoved down their throat. So, like, they noticed that. So they're like, all right, let's now focus on some songwriting. And men they, they bang out some bangers. Did you know Islands in the Stream was written by the Bee Gees? No. Wow. That was, that was a huge one in 83 for them. Jeez. These
2: guys, man, just killing the game.
0: Man. Yeah, Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton, 83. Ah. Island's in the Stream. I remember, so I DJ'd that uh, event, like that After Harvest event in, in Morganville. I tossed this on, and the old people went nuts. Yeah, probably They're like, oh nuts. my God. There's like women grabbing their husbands. It's Island in the Stream. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Turn up in
2: Morganville, dude. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Ah. Uh, Let's see. What else could I throw in there? Uh, They were also at the time working on the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band movie, Mm -hmm. writing the music for that. They took a break to write those songs. Oh my god! I mean, they were on a hot streak. Yeah. And then it's like that's not a break. (laughs) (laughs) It's like more work, dude. Wow. The Bee Gees were geniuses. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, So the the royalties of this song, the Bee Gees actually donated them an estimated $7 million to UNICEF. Wow. Um, Along with uh, Donna Summers was involved, uh, John Denver, ABBA, a few other big names. They pledged a song as part of the Music for UNICEF concert on January 9th of 1979, held in New York City next to the embassy and uh, Too Much Heaven. Ended up being the number one hit in America that week, and it was the centerpiece of the show, which aired as a primetime special on NBC the next evening, and it was later produced in a soundtrack. Wow. BG's just tearing it up.
2: Also, uh, Jimmy Fallon, a fantastic Barry Gibb impression on SNL. Really? Oh. I'm, I'm not, I've never heard the that. Barry Have you ever seen the Barry Gid Gibb show? show? Oh, yes. With oh. Justin Timberlake. Yes. And then he'd have, like, Lindsey Buckingham. Bill Hader would be Lindsey Buckingham, and they would never get to him. They'd never have time for him, but he would just, like, sit and chill. (laughs) The Barry Gibb Show, check that out. Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Random, and he'd just go, yeah, what's up?
0: Barry Gibb also had amazing hair. He still does. still does. Obviously doesn't have the same fluff to it. No, but but, um, pretty good. I saw a concert. I, I... As I pulled all this info, I went back and found a concert of of Barry Gibbs alone. Not alone, but he had his band with him in, in 2019. He Actually, as long as he had the harmony behind him, it still sounded really good. Oh, man. Yeah. But that falsetto, dude, is still killing it, man. That's awesome. What do you got for us? ask us anything officially ask here.
2: us anything uh, first of all like I said UFC I think it's 280 is going to be a banger there's like 13 great fights on there um, wow. so check that out it's a pay per view but hey guys illegally stream it um, what's the spookiest place you've ever been we got a lot of heat today the little girl scout or boy scout house at the bottom of Bluemont Hill took a real beating today on the K-Rock Warning Joe it was hilarious
0: People are saying that's well. I grew up in a haunted house. I'm pretty sure it still is. Um, what? Ever since my sister and I left the house, like there hasn't been as much activity. I haven't really noticed anything in a long time because the house was an old hospital there in Morganville. Oh my god! And I remember, I, I've I've shared this story many times, but I I once watched my closet door open by oh itself. Oh my god! You. We can have a whole show on this. Wow,
2: that's amazing. Yep. Which how one, old were you?
0: One rain uh sixteen. Wow. Yeah, sixteen. Something like that. 16, 17. You didn't freak out, you're just like yeah. Troy do you got no I did not. I did I I, you know, I I'm not afraid of that stuff. You, I just I wanna I wanna experience it and capture it on mm. film.
1: You, you sure your sister wasn't like Scott Bayo and zapped? Able to maneuver things with her mind?
0: <laughs> I'll double check with her. Well, okay. I'll text her. It was worth a
1: try.
2: Did you do that? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, for me, Eliza's Church out in Pottawatomie County. There's a Eliza's Road. There's a little church out there where you go out there and drink, and uh, the locals would run us off. There's a little uh, graveyard
0: behind it. Okay, let's not be in a rush. We're, we're going to go over time. I want to hear everybody's answers. Yeah, I yeah, really yeah. do. So don't, don't worry. About I don't have trillion. a good answer. Okay. So have- Portland State's gym.
2: Ooh, ah, ooh, ah.
1: No, uh, the, no, definitely not that House place. House of Horrors yeah. for UNC. Well, uh, no, that would have been at Weber State, I'm, which I'm, is I'm another story I'm altogether. Pretty
0: convinced Morganville Elementary has a little something going on in there. Whoa, Morganville! Shout out to them. It is a creepy place when you turn off the lights in the gym. It's a very <laughs> old gym, and yeah. like everything mm-hmm. creaks. And yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Travion, I told you yesterday, like the um, the barons of Nevada. Just yeah. like when it's all bare and hot, it freaks
2: me out. He's in. The, he's standing in the desert, and he, there's a lot of bodies buried out there, buddy. A lot of them. They're going to come get hey, you. I love a good haunting.
0: Yeah. I really do.
2: You need to be on that show Ghost Hunters. Take him to Morganville. Say, what's up? Uh, well,
0: I'd rather go uh, Ghost Adventures. Scott Bagans weird dude but man do they get some weird stuff (laughs) happening they really stir it up nice all right we're a minute late to get into cbs have a good weekend we have a best of tomorrow go cats